The Seattle Seahawks took us on a roller coaster ride of an NFL Sunday with the highs and the lows and the twists and the turns. They had us on the edge of our seat. They had many of us elder statesmen with the straightening of a left arm as we fought off the heart attack that kept on coming at given points in this football game. Indeed, this felt like, in many ways, three games in one. You had the start of it where the Seattle Seahawks looked like finally this offense was going to come into full bloom. They went into this Browns defense, one of the best in the league, and operated three scoring drives to begin things, including two touchdown drives. They were even being good in the red zone, creative in the red zone, Geno making good decisions in the red zone. And then conversely, on the other side of it, the defense was more than doing their part, looking fast, looking aggressive, as they were able to put the clamps down on this Browns offense to begin things pretty nicely. But then it was like we were on the freeway going 80 and somebody ripped the, the emergency brake. We twisted sideways, then we flipped over 15 times over and over again until we finally came to a stop. What the hell happened? Somebody got launched out the windshield at one point and it just seemed to get real dark real fast. The offense completely was like they lost themselves. There was no direction. There was no ability to run the ball. Geno started to show off some of his worst tendencies. And then on the other side of the ball, this defense that's been so rigid and so stout over the past couple of weeks started to fail, started to allow those rush, the rushing attack of the Browns to start to find some holes. And the Browns on their side of it, you got to give props to the head coach and the offensive coordinator for the offensive attack that they put together. Because it was one where they were coming into this game down Nick Chubb, down Deshaun Watson. They were going to have to manufacture things on the road to find productivity. And they really did that in especially the screen game where throughout this game, they were able to really attack the Seahawks with that. The Seahawks have an aggressive rally to the ball type of defense. And a way to attack that defense is send them into one direction, get their eyes looking to the eye candy heading to one way, and then you go back the other way. The Browns even found a sort of second wrinkle in that, where they would start out to go to one way, fake it back over to the other way, and then they would eventually come to the third option. And it really did challenge the Seahawks defense to maintain that discipline throughout the course of this game. And through the early mid part of that game, as we went into the second part, into game two, you did start to see that defense start to give up yards, give up some more consistent drives. P.J. Walker made some really nice throws also within there. I thought he did as well as you could expect a backup to do in this game. And so the game just started to look like it was going to go completely sideways. And on top of this, you had the officiating in the first half, which was horrible. We finished off at the end of the half with Coach Carroll absolutely red-faced, screaming at the officials as there were some calls in this game that just didn't add up. Early on in the game, Hawks are driving. Geno Smith has two plays where he throws a nine route to DK into the back of the end zone. And on both of those two plays, one's a fade ball, one's just a pure nine route. And the corner on both of those two plays is getting and hitting DK past the five yards. He's in off coverage anyway, so he's out of the five-yard zone in both of these plays, yet still putting contact on DK after the snap, after the five yards. It should be defensive holding. Doesn't get called. Now, it's a little bit on the line, so I can see the officials at that moment going, okay, we're not going to call these calls today. We're going to let them play because that's how it is. Officiating crews are going to be calling it different at times. Certain crews will be more touchy with it. Certain crews are going to let you just play. Let the, let the players determine it. I'm okay with letting the players determine it, but now you got to call it 
equivalent to the other side of the football. That means when we have us on defense and when we show that same physicality or anything close to that same physicality, you can't get the flags out down and start throwing them. And that's what was happening here in the first half. You had Tariq Woolen, who had a ball where he seemingly knocked out, close in on coverage against Amari Cooper. They're calling that on that play a PI where they didn't call it on the other side. And I think that started to culminate through the end of that second half with Coach Carroll getting frustrated by that because he was seeing the same thing we were all seeing with that, where you're not calling it consistently. Maybe it was just bad officiating, but it wasn't being consistently called on both sides of the ball. And that did kind of hold through the whole game. It got better into the second half, but there was even some moments in that fourth quarter that had us scratching our heads going, what's going on here? It is, though, a testament to both the defense and the offense as we round into the third game within this game, being at the end, where the defense found a way to put the clamps back down onto this offense. They found the answers, the adjustments did Clint hurt, and the offense was able to get a fourth quarter drive at the end of the day, and Geno take a day, which was not his best day. Certainly it wasn't at his best. Played good through the first quarter and a half, and then it went bad, but then found his footing. You know, you can wipe the slate clean with a final great drive, with a final fourth quarter comeback drive. And the thing that the Geno, the anti-Geno folks will often say about him, they've been saying it on my channel for well over now a year and a half, is that when you need Geno to give you a drive, when you are down in a game, when it's two minutes to go and you need him to go get you a score, he can't do that. He doesn't have that in his back. He doesn't have that ability. Well, what he showed you today is indeed he does have that ability. He didn't just drive you up the football field for a field goal. He got you a touchdown. And he's also done another time this year. Did it in the Lions game, OT, a game where the Lions offense look at almost every bit as good as they looked the prior year where they were getting tons of scores, getting a ton of production. You didn't want to give them the ball back. Geno and company in that game took that on a long field, went right up the field and scored a touchdown. Game over. They did the same thing again today. Great of Geno to be able to Find the resiliency there within himself. You're having a tough day. Don't get into your head. You can see sometimes Gino on the sideline getting a little overly frustrated, seemingly maybe getting into his head a little bit, allowing it to, to con that, that slide to continue to slide rather than, hope. Oh, hold on, let me stop. Let me correct my, my thinking here. Let me get on an even plane, get this back. And that's what he did there. Sensational job by Gino. There's plenty of criticism to hand him in the course of this game. Some of those throws to DK Metcalf were wayward as hell. I don't know why he wouldn't give him more of a chance on some of those throws. Uh, there was the decision-making down in the red zone, as we now have for a third straight week of him throwing an INT in the red zone. That is not what we want to see here. He's got to clean that up and play better football when you get down in there to score. Come away with a field goal. Don't come away with a pick six. And at times he looked like he wasn't trusting his decision-making. At times he wasn't going through all of his read progression, but he was at the end of the able to, at the end of the day to get that final drive off, to get that final score driven home and to get the win. So props to Gino because that is one place that the haters on him will say, and they'll say it as loud as they can from the tops of the mountain that he can't do that. He doesn't have that ability to bring you back in the game, and he did so today, and not when things were going well, not when he had a great ground game operating, when not when the pass protection wasn't on the best point. He still had a couple backups in this game. He found a way. I'm fully on board with those folks that put some criticism on Gino coming out of this game or that he hasn't played his best ball over the past couple weeks. It's valid. I get it. I'm seeing the same thing, but at least at the end of the day, he got that final score in, did just enough. You got the win, and you were able to carry it through. Defensively, that's where you made your bones in this game. That's where they've been making their bones since the Giants game. The defensive effort has been marvelous, marvelous. I didn't know, as I've said for the past couple of weeks, that this defense had this top end to their game, but indeed they do. This was a game about fortitude for the defense. Yeah, it's about them playing well, but it's also about things not going right in your way, and yet you still finding a way to get the job done. 
It would have been very easy for this defense at halfway into this game, three-fourths the way in this game to go, okay, offense has completely gone in the tank. The officials are in the Browns' uh, wallet, basically. I don't know, because we can't seem to get a call on this side of it. And we've been on this field for damn near three-fourths of this game is how it feels. It would have been very easy for the defense in that moment to just start to go, okay, we're going to let him have it. And you could start to feel even the defense was getting tired. Guys were woofing out their hands on their hips, trying to catch their breath. The tackling was starting to slip a little bit, but the fortitude kicked in. They found the answers when they needed it. And when there wasn't any room for error, where you give up a first down and it could be game over, like we saw in the Bengals game where you had that play where Trey Brown knocked the ball away from T. Higgins on a trust throw down the sideline to give your offense at least an opportunity to give them a chance as they did in that game. They did the same thing here in this game. As you have Jamal Adams coming in on a blitz, didn't blitz very often this game, comes down on a blitz at the end of the game off the edge, times it perfectly, jumps up in the air, sort of does a, a soccer header off of his helmet, knocks the ball up in the air. The Hawks were able to get the interception there. So not only do you get the fourth down stop, but you get a much shorter field for the offense to have to operate on because of that interception with the two timeouts and under two minutes allowed them to kind of run their full playbook at that point and not be as pressed. But a big time play in a moment when you absolutely needed it in that spot and the defense answered it every day to day. It wasn't perfect. There was that middle section of it, but the defense absolutely carried it with all that they had to deal with on this day. The officials, the lack of the offense, it just wasn't working out in their favor, and yet they got the turnovers. They got great pressure throughout the early part and late part of this game. Everybody kind of doing their part. Draymond Jones would flash in there. Boye Moffat got another sack. He got another sack, by the way, utilizing that counter inside that I've talked about with Boye, which is the next step he needed to take to become an ascending pass rusher in this league. Last year, it was all about getting to the edge for him. This year, he started to incorporate more of that inside counter move, especially the inside swim move. And he put it back on display again today, getting himself a sack. Daryl Taylor getting his first start in this game, taking over for a Chetanawosu. You worried about how he was going to be able to hold up in the ground game, especially. I think he did a pretty good job overall. He was good early and, and flashed in a couple different areas and great, bringing some pressure. And he was making a couple tackles in the ground game. And then later on, got a really clutch slack later on, paying attention where the quarterback was in the pocket, feeling the tackle oversetting on him, and then able to get back up into the pocket to go make the sack there on a real clutch sack at that point in time in the game. Jaron Reed continues to play good all-around football, both creating some pressures here and there while also being very good in the run game. Mario Edwards Jr. showed up in the run game. Both of your two linebackers, being Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner, again, one, two in tackles. That's what you want to see on your team with your middle linebackers. But both of those two guys as well is showing up all over the field, both in coverage. Uh, there was one point Bobby was right there on Cooper, very close, where they're trying to attack Bobby with a, their best receiver, and he was able to get a hand in there. Jordan Brooks continues to show that he is every bit, it seems, as good a blitzer as Bobby is, as he got another sack. And Tariq Woolen, who got his first pick in the game and would have had his second pick on probably the easiest interception he'll ever see in his career, it just went right through his hands. But maybe Tariq starting to come along a little bit more further. Everybody in this defense played really, really well. It's hard to find anybody that really wasn't doing their part or stepping up. The safeties were solid in Quandre and Jamal. No big plays over the top. There were a couple times in this game the Browns were trying to trick you defensively and make it look like things were going to go short and so they could take their deep shot. They had, a, I think, a third and one in particular where they were looking to do that. You kept things clean over the top on that side of it. Uh, they, you were able to stop the run just enough today. 40 carries and 155 yards. So yeah, you got 155 yards, but it took you Browns 40 carries to do there. So the the stopping of the run and that efficiency remains top notch, remains one of the league best that you'll find out there, even on the heels of this game against the Browns. They did plenty on defense to get the job done. Turnovers, 
pressures, stout throughout, dealing with officials, holding the line until the offense could find it. I can't say more about how this defense played in this game. It was absolutely fantastic. Offensively speaking, yeah, it was a tough day through most of this day. Early part, you were cooking. Late drive, you were cooking. Other than that, not a lot of cooking. The stoves were off. It's another game where, yes, Geno Smith doesn't play his best ball and the criticisms that come out are going to be well applied, but it's also another game where early on especially, the rushing attack wasn't there. You had a 45-yarder and a 21-yarder in the first half for Charbonnet and Walker, which made it look like the, the ground game was going a lot better than it was in that first half. If you take away those two carries and look at the rest of the carries, what they done that first half, I think it was 11 carries for zero yards in that first half. And a lot of that was allowing penetration to the Browns that you were having your offensive linemen having them getting pushed back on ground plays rather than them getting some push forward. There just wasn't any holes there to really be had. But it did sort of feel like Waldron then bailed completely out of the running attack as we got into the second half. And now you're just trying to throw the ball 24-7. And I think this is where you start to put Geno Smith in a position not to succeed when you're trying to ask him to be a high-volume passer. I think it's fine if we're going to pass more than we're going to run, but you've got to find some more balance within that. Even if the ground game's not there sometimes, you've got to stay committed to it. 37 passing attempts in this game to only 17 rushing attempts in what was a very close game slash you had a lot of the lead through a lot of the portion of this game. And it's it's strange as well because there's one drive in particular that stands out to me where Charbonnet comes into the game. He has a couple of big time runs to get you up onto the brown side of the football field. So now you're starting to think, okay, Waldron, you got the ground game going. Stay committed to this. Stay with this now. But instead then he throws three straight times on the back of a, a, a big-time uh, Charbonnet run. It was two runs back-to-back. -back. You're going, why are you bailing out on the run there? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, I do come back around to this offense. I think I've, I've got confidence that it will find its footing. There's just too much talent on this offense for it not to. I do think the offensive line is going to get healthier, and that will bring better improvement with it. But also, in addition to this, it would be nicer to see a little bit more of a, a cognitive game plan being applied by Shane Waldron, where you can understand what it is at least they're trying to do. I could look at the Browns offense and see what you're trying to do. Taking advantage of our aggressiveness, getting us to flow to one direction, and then attacking us back the other way, and leaning into that throughout the course of this game. There were other things that they did as well, but there's not that tangible tangible philosophy that you see applied on our offensive side of the ball. Do we want to run in? Do we want to run out? Do we want to utilize the fly sweep game? Are we trying to attack deep down the field? Are we trying to dink and dunk? There just doesn't seem to be an identity yet to this offense through the early part of this year. And hey, you're five and two. So pretty nice to give me five and two while still trying to find your offensive identity. But as I say, they're too good. They're too talented not to eventually, in my opinion, find some more consistency. And I do think Gino is going to play some better ball down the line as you can run the ball a little bit better and the pass protection can get a little bit more cemented. I don't want to cover up Geno's struggles in this game. They're valid for those throwing that criticism out there. I'm not pushing back. I'm just saying that I do believe that it will improve as we go into the future um, and as these things get a little bit more clearer on what, they're, what they are trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish. The special teams played a good game in addition to this, once again, as they are likely to do. It's top three unit, right? This is what they do. Myers made his only kick on the day, made a final extra point in this game, which was very big there because it takes it to a four-point game from a three-point game, meaning the Browns have to get a touchdown at the end there to push it then over the mark to their side. So great job on him. Dixon was phenomenal in this game. 275 yards and punts. 
Uh, I mean, just absolutely was flipping the field right and left over the course of this game time and time again. A 55 nearly average on his punts today, a 67-yard long. When you don't have your offense consistently moving chains to at least then when they punt, keep the field position game on point, you really need that Dixon, those Dixon heavy leg kicks that just send it all the way across the football field and put those Browns teams, those Browns offenses on a long field to go up there and get the score. Give your defense a little bit of room for error. Great job by Dixon, who continues to have the best start of any Seahawk punter by far in our history and continues to have one of the best starts to his career through five, six years of any, of any punter in NFL history. Kicking inside the 20, kicking with length, kicking with net average, whatever metric you want to apply to Dixon and what he brings to the punting game, he is top-notch all the way down the line. Everybody else did their job uh, in the special teams unit. The coverage unit was good. Dallas did enough as far as returner. Nothing magical on that side of it. The receivers held up relatively good here. I think it was a game where Tyler and Jackson, Smith and Jibba really showed out in this game in their places they had the opportunity to. Jackson only four targets, three catches, but he did really good on the bubble screens. Those, those things that have been an issue for us this year, including the touchdown bubble screen play where he got the touchdown and got it in. It was also a great play by DK Metcalf there showing some of the value that he brings to the table on this team in his blocking ability. I've said with DK, it's not just the passing and the catching. That stuff is vibrant. Those are the most important parts of his game, but he's also one of the better blockers in this sport. And when we hear about him saying, I'm going to keep my mentality, I want to keep this edge on the football field. A lot of times he's talking about how he blocks and the ferocity that he brings to the table on that. And it showed on that play as that became a play on that bubble screen to Jackson Smith at the end, where it's between Jackson and that other guy one-on-one because DK has removed the defender from that play. And, and though I'm giving Waldron a hard time on most of his play calling on the day, that was a sensational call in the moment because you caught the Browns blitzing on the front side, removing one more player there and in the secondary who could come over there and corral Jackson Smith and Jigba. But uh, Jackson did the most with what he was given on the day with that. Tyler Lockett, eight catches, 81 yards, completely was the security blanket for Gino today. When times got rough, when he needed to go somewhere, he was going to go with Tyler. Nine targets, eight catches. Great job here by Tyler coming out and having probably his best game of the year here so far. Seattle came into this game trying to target DK. 14 targets in this game to DK Metcalf. Only five catches for 67 yards. I say only because that's a lot of targets for only that many catches. And a lot of these throws just were nowhere close to DK. I'm not sure why him and Gino in the last couple of weeks just haven't been on the same page at times, but Gino's got to find times to give, to give DK a chance to make these catches, especially when DK has got some separation where he did on some of these throws. Uh, props to a couple of other guys here on the offense. Noah Fan, who had another catch after the run, which was just tremendous in this game, right there on that final drive where he caught the ball, and that's one of those plays where you're going, get out of bounds, get out of bounds, and then he cuts it inside, and you go, no, 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 and then he's right up the field, and you're like, yes, 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 but uh, he continues to, when he has a chance to make a big play, he doesn't make a lot of them. He's not featured a lot in this offense, but Noah does show that he brings some value to the table, and he's been a really good blocker in addition to this, but a big catch and run for him there. As well, we got inventive down by the, the red zone early on in this game, and we ran a little fly sweep to Bobo. Another place I want to give props to both Bobo, who just continues to do something every week that's just tremendous, doesn't he? I mean, I feel like next week we're going to get a punt block from Bobo. That's the next thing coming. I mean, gosh, maybe we should have him fielding punts <laughs> at this point. But they bring him on a fly sweep. I love this by Waldron because if you're the Browns, you're thinking that fly sweep guy is going to be the lead blocker here. There's no chance he's getting the ball. It's Bobo at 4940. He's not going to get that. You want the fly sweep guys to be fast guys. You don't want to be six foot four guys, lanky dudes. No, but they give him the ball there. 
It completely catches the Browns by surprise. Bobo reads the play. He doesn't just take the fly sweep to the outside, but actually cuts it up inside and gets the touchdown. The kid's just a little bit magical. He's got a little bit of that pixie dust on the back. I don't know what it is, but there is just something about Bobo. And the Bobros are going to be loud, 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 and very happy folks uh, this week as uh, he played another uh, good game. Two catches, 23 yards, uh, in addition to that fly sweep as he continued to block really well on his side of things. This was a tough game. This was a grind game. This was a game that just completely tested your patience at times, both with the officiating and just with the team seemingly right there to kind of take this game and make it ours and start to rise to the team and the squad we want to see them be. But you got away with the win, and that's the most important part. You're five and two. And oh, yeah, by the way, in first place in the NFC West right now. Is it perfect? No. Is there stuff to clean up? Certainly, but it's a testament to how talented and how good this team is that you find yourself at five and two with so many things still left to clean up, with so many things that aren't working completely right as it stands right now. And there is a lot that is going good. So that's the defense. You can't ask for them to be playing, I think, better football. They are on point. They're providing pressure. They're getting turnovers. They're not giving up big plays on the back end of it. It's not, again, perfect on it, but they continue to send. They continue to rise. And I continue to have faith that this team is not in its final form, that we have not seen their best football. I think that's coming down the line. And I think you're going to see this team playing its best football at the end of the year. And if that happens, look out. Anything is possible. But as it stands right now, my fellow Seahawks faithful, we are 5-2. and two. We are on the top of the NFC West. We're back home, baby, where we belong. So let's take it. Let's hold it. Let's not relinquish it and give it back to those dirty Niners. It's ours now, and it will forevermore be ours for the rest of the course of this year. Now let's start keeping our let's, – let's keep a little eye on that first-round buy. Okay, got the division now. Let's, let's start looking to the buyout. How's that sound? Got a tough game coming up next week against the Ravens, no doubt about that. But for right now, Hawks are riding high, feeling good, and the team is rounding into shape. My name is Brandon Kane. This is the Hawks Nest. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe. But beyond all that, don't you ever forget, go Hawks. Go Hawks.